Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. I'm Aaron Baum, one of the pastors here at Ocean View. Thanks so much for being with us today. I have to, before we jump in, I have to just kind of talk about my family for a quick second because three weeks ago, we added somebody to our family. And some of you helped us with this. So, like, this is Emmy. And a lot of you blessed us in a, at a baby shower and gave us, and just were so generous. Thank you so much. But this is Emmy. Uh, she was born three weeks ago. And, um, and we love her, and she is loud and quiet and all of the great things that come with a newborn. And we just, she just kind of gets thrown into the mix with our other two. So I thought we'd just do a collective awe right now, just make it easy. Aw, see, isn't that nice? Isn't that a great way to start the morning? Man, that's good. So, um, so this reminded me of something that um, happens a lot for me as a, as a pastor, is that we as pastors get the opportunity to celebrate a lot of amazing family moments like this, where we get to go. I love going to a hospital and visiting uh, families when they are welcoming a newborn into their family for the first time. You know, so it's really cool to be able to go and you see the parents and they're like, what just happened? You know, like we don't know what's going on, but you see this newborn and it's an exciting time to celebrate that with them. We have other moments we get to celebrate, like when, um, when a couple gets married. So this is always fun when there's a bride and a groom standing up and you're kind of officiating the wedding. And we get those inside moments, you know, when like the other person is like singing on the stage. And it's really awkward for everybody who's attending the wedding because somebody's singing, but the bride and the groom are like just staring at each other. And you know, they're making like those googly eye faces and they're whispering to each other. And in the audience, we're just kind of like, okay, that's enough of that. Like, can we just move on? Like, this is boring. You know, but we get, we're right there, so we can hear all the stupid stuff that they're saying to each other, and it's really fun for us, and so we kind of get to see those final moments there of them being single. We also get to see students that we kind of get to walk through in the church who kind of grow up as they graduate, as we are experiencing right now this month, right? They graduate, and they are off to their next phase of their life. They have big plans to go to college or start their career, and they're trying to, you know, find themselves, and they're going after it, and they're excited, and we kind of celebrate with the families everything that they're doing, and that's a really exciting time that we get to celebrate. And not just that kind of stuff, but we also celebrate when people come to know Jesus, right? Look, so when someone accepts Jesus, uh, and they start following him, and they start that relationship, and then they go public with that decision by being baptized, and they're like using their gifts and their talents, and they're just, like serving and reaching out to other people. Like these are all amazing moments that we get to celebrate as a team and as pastors. We love that. There's also the other side to this, though, that we also get to see. We also see the dark side of people's lives. Some of the more bitter, painful side. Like that same hospital where we go to visit a newborn is the same hospital that we will go to to grieve with a family who just lost a loved one or received a diagnosis that doesn't offer much hope, right? So we go through those painful moments as well. We go through the pain of a couple who sometimes find themselves in the middle of a very bitter divorce. Or they find out that someone had cheated. Right? And so we see these moments where we're in a room with them and they're just going back and forth with each other. And you're just like, whoa, what happened? We see that. We see moments where where parents kind of neglect their kids. Or they don't really um, love their kids in the way that Christ would love them. 
And there's a lot of abuse and abandonment and anger issues that go with that. And we see the opposite where kids rebel against their parents and start on a path and the parents pleading with their, with their kid. And, and it's just, it seems like a lost cause and it creates a lot of pain in, in a family's life. So we see moments like that too where, where people walk away from the faith. We see these dark times in people's life. And here's the thing about pain before we kind of jump into where we're going today. Here's the thing about pain. We've all kind of experienced pain to some degree or another. We've all kind of experienced these moments of pain in our life. Some more than others, it seems. And here's the thing I just want to say from the outset about that pain, is that that pain is not caused by God. You understand? It's allowed. He might allow pain in our life, but it's not caused by him. And it's not punishment either. Punishment implies a penalty. And if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has taken all the penalty and punishment from you. But there's pain still, nonetheless, that results out of, as a consequence of actions that we have taken. Or sometimes there's pain because of what somebody else has done to us. Sometimes it's both. At the same time, there's pain in our life that we all kind of deal with sometimes. And in all of these situations that we kind of get to see and walk people through, I have to tell you that there is one kind of pain that seems to last longer, that seems to have far more reaching effects than any other kind of pain, and that's the pain that's inflicted upon someone by someone else, especially someone that they know and that they trust and that they love. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've experienced that. Where you had someone close to you, whether it was a family member or a friend, and they wronged you in some way. Someone that you thought had your back and you realize in a moment it was all just a show. And there's deep pain rooted there. There's no pain like that. When a spouse realizes what their spouse has done, there's a deep hurt. When a parent sees what their kid has done, when a child sees and comes to understand what their parent has done or hasn't done, when somebody that you lead, when someone that's leading you, when one of your employees, when one of your employers wrongs you, whether it's a professor, a teacher, whatever it might be, somebody has wronged you, there's nothing quite like that kind of pain. And here's why. Because we kind of move in circles, don't we? We have our circle of people that we allow into our life, that we trust emphatically, friends, family, spouses, whatever it might be, co-workers. There's a certain group of people that we value at a different level than other people, and so we trust them. And when that trust is broken, it kind of leaves a gaping hole in our hearts. See, we don't care much about what strangers think of us too often. And this is why social media is so fascinating, right? Because somebody will say a comment directed to you, and you're like, I don't even know you. I don't need, you're just an internet friend. I don't know this person. And when they say something, you kind of can brush it off, and it's not a big deal. You don't have to respond to it. But if it's somebody that you know and trust, if it's somebody that you love, if it's somebody that's in your close circle, the greater potential there is for that person to hurt you, for that person to to rip up your heart, whether it's betrayal, gossip, this feeling of abandonment, whatever it might be. And when that happens, when that hole is created, something goes in it because it can't just sit there too empty. We're going to look today at this idea of forgiving other people. And for some of us, this is going to be an interesting process because even as I'm talking right now, you're thinking of somebody in your life that perhaps wronged you. And you might be thinking, well, 
you have no idea what they did. And you're right. I don't. But I think that God's word has something to say about it. I think God's word has something to say about what happens when a hole is created, when a deficit is created by somebody else in our life. And so we're going to spend some time this morning kind of looking at what is said about this in Scripture. So how do we forgive? I don't really know the answer. I think I have some ideas. But there's two people in Scripture that I want to kind of look at today. And maybe you've heard of them. One is Joseph. Let's start with Joseph for just a moment. And we're not going to dive into the whole story. You can read about it in Genesis, uh, towards the end of Genesis, chapters 37 and on. You can kind of read the story about Joseph. Joseph was a guy who um, had 11 brothers, and he was kind of a little cocky and kind of a little arrogant. He had a dream that God had given them that one day his brothers, his family was going to bow down before him. And he didn't keep that secret. He kind of told them about it which didn't go over very well, as you can imagine. Imagine telling your older brothers, your ten older brothers, hey, one day, just so you guys know, you're going to worship me. Like, you're going to bow down to me. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool, guys? No, it wasn't, especially when he was already, like, the favorite one. So they take Joseph one day, and they throw him in a pit, and they're like, they're going to kill him. They've decided. Now, that's a huge level of betrayal right there, just by your own family, that they throw you in a pit, and they're going to murder you. One of the brothers says, you know what, this isn't a good idea. We could at least make some money off of him, right? Like, let's do that. So they sell him into slavery. And, so in, and then they frame his death, and they tell dad he's dead, and off he goes, and they pocket the change, and everything's good, right? So Joseph finds himself in slavery, and he's going to serve faithfully his new master, and he does so. But then he's accused of trying to rape his master's wife. So he's thrown in prison. And then when it seems like there's a glimmer of hope for him to be able to get out, he's forgotten again. And I have to imagine that at some point in his life, while he's sitting in prison, after all those years, after everything that's happened to him, he's got to be thinking, if I can ever see those brothers of mine again, they'll get what's coming to them. Right? Because he's human. And wouldn't you think that? If it was your brothers that kind of set off this chain reaction in your life that landed you in this spot, no matter what you did, no matter what you tried, here you are in prison just rotting away. There's an opportunity for a lot of bitterness to creep in. And then finally in his life, he actually does find himself in power, in a position where his brothers are in front of him and they have no idea who he is and he has every opportunity to exact his revenge on them. There's another story in the Bible. About a guy named David. David was a beloved king of Israel. He was a man after God's own heart, we're told. That he followed God. He was the only one that just, man, he was always after God's heart. But David was still a flawed individual. He was a flawed person. He made a lot of mistakes. He had several kids also. And here's the thing about his kids. I mean, they, they, were, they were good, but they had some issues. And David, even though he was a man after God's own heart, this happened in his family where one of his sons decides that he is going to rape his sister. Now, this is really big. This is like Game of Thrones kind of stuff, okay? I'm told I actually haven't watched it. Some of you have. I don't know anything about it. But there's a lot of incest. There's rape. There's murder. There's betrayal. There's deceit. It's all kinds. It's very dramatic. I highly encourage you to go read it sometime. Don't read it to your kids. It's not a good Bible story for bedtime. Don't do that. might raise a lot of questions you don't want to answer. So, So David has a son who rapes his sister. Another son, Absalom, finds out about it. And it's kind of one of these things that everybody's talking about, but nobody wants to talk about. It's kind of like whispered in the hall, well, you know what happened. So clearly, it has to be that David knew about this, right? But David doesn't do anything about it. 
And so Absalom decides he's going to take matters into his own hands, and he starts plotting his revenge. And Absalom allows this bitterness into his life, and he's just fuming about this to the point that he murders his brother, and he goes on the run. And then, for years, for years, Absalom begins this campaign to overthrow his father as king. Crazy stuff. He, he starts lying about his dad. He sits outside the palace, and as people come to see David to have their matters settled, Absalom says, well, you know, the king doesn't really have time for you. He, he's much too happy in his big palace to worry about the people down below him. But I'll take care of your problem. Just, just come with me. I'll take care of it. And he starts building a following. He starts building an army. And then finally he's ready to unleash it. And he starts coming after his own dad for the throne. He starts coming after him. But not just to rule the kingdom. He wants his dad dead. He starts chasing him. David goes on the run. And David writes psalms, like the book of Psalms, a lot of those are written by him. Some of those were written while he's on the run from his own son. And you can just hear the anguish and the pain in his pen as he's writing these words about where is God in all of this? this, None of this makes sense. And there's this opportunity for David to get the same bitterness in him that Absalom had. How would you not? Your own son, what kind of betrayal is that? Maybe you've never had one of your kids try to overthrow your throne Maybe you have. But I think we've all experienced pain and hurt at the hand of someone close to us. At the hand of someone that we thought was for us. Someone we trusted. And maybe it's lasted for years. Abuse, verbal, emotional, physical. Statistically, in a crowd like this, chances are really high. Some of us have that in our past, in our story. Maybe someone wronged you. Maybe somebody you were employed for cut you from your job. You feel it's very wrong of them to do that. You've been bitter about it. I don't know what your situation is, but we've all suffered pain at the hands of somebody else, and we've all found it difficult at times to forgive them. How do you forgive? There's a scripture in Hebrews that I want to take a look at real quick. This is from the writer of Hebrews. This is what he said. He said, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. I love that he says work there because you understand it's not natural for us to do those two things. It's not natural for us to just walk around living a holy life. We have to work at it. It takes, it takes us being intentional. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. They're not going to see God otherwise. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And get this, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. I love this imagery of this poisonous root of bitterness that creeps in. Because when that hole is opened by somebody else, when, that, when, there's, a, when there's a gaping hole there, something's going to fill it. In my yard, uh, it's a very small yard. It's probably as big as this, okay? It's very small, but there's like this area in front of like our front patio that has some, some bushes and like a palm tree. It's a pretty standard issue, I think, around here. Um, and so, so we have these bushes. And one, one time last summer, my mom came down to visit my mom and dad. And, and she's like, hey, like you have a couple of dead bushes here. I said, yeah. I said, do you think they're going to come back? She's like, no, they're not. You need to just go ahead and rip them out. I mean, they're, they're disgusting. Just rip them out. And so there was one in particular that looked like, yeah, this would be kind of easy. And so I'm like, okay, I'll just do it because I was psychotic that day. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll just do this. So 
So I'm not, yard work's not my thing. So we, I get down and I just like tug at it. And sure enough, like the top of this, like the, everything I can see on ground just pops right up. Really easy, easy job. Oh, this is cake. Except there's a root that's going down under the ground. And it's this long, nasty root. I mean, it's like a snake. It's, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's this root and it starts snaking around under everything else. And in my mind, I'm just imagine it going around everything that's healthy there, and it's just choking it all out. That's kind of the imagery that we have here. That no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. See, when bitterness is in your life, when it starts out as a little seed, its roots start snaking around, and it affects everything else in your life. It starts affecting your relationship with other people. It starts infecting your relationship with God. It starts infecting your relationship with your kids. It starts infecting your relationship. Any relationship you have, it's going to be there, and something's going to trigger it. And you're going to be like, oh, this is just like that other guy. This is just like that time. This is, and it all comes back because that root of bitterness is there. That's why he says, watch out. That's a warning because it happens really quick. And when I say that, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, you should forgive. That, that's nice. And when I say that, you're like, yeah, I, I've forgiven that person, sure. And it, here's what I would say. For some of us, that's like just ripping out the top part. Yeah, yeah, I forgive that person. But we never dealt with the root. And every time that person comes to mind, every time we pass that person, every time that person's name is mentioned, that root is still there. And it's snaking around. And we start saying to ourselves, and maybe you've heard this, maybe you've said this, well, if you knew what they had done, you would understand. If only you had been there and seen what they said, if you had heard it, If you knew how it affected me, that's the root. We haven't dealt with it. Some of us have some really deep hurt. Some of us have some really deep pain. I don't know what's caused it, but I know that it's there. It's been in my life. And here's what I would say to you, and this is something that that someone taught me. My, My last pastor taught me this years ago. I share it with you because this is so important. Your hurt, the pain that you have, this hurt that you are feeling towards this person, this hurt that is placed upon your life, your hurt is justified. I don't know what caused it, but your feeling of hurt, your feeling of pain, listen, God has it in your life. He's allowed it to happen, but he wants to develop you, to shape you into the image of Christ. Your hurt is justified. Your bitterness is not Your bitterness is not. The hurt that you have is justified. Of course, if somebody wrongs you, it hurts. But to hold on to that and allow that bitterness seed to be planted and to allow it to snake around in your life, that is not. Your bitterness is your sin. And for some of us, that's really hard to hear because we're thinking of how that person wronged us. We're thinking of the sin they committed against us, and it causes hurt. But your bitterness is your sin. Paul said it this way um, in Ephesians. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of it. Throw it out. 
Don't keep some of it. Nope. Uproot the whole thing and toss it. Burn it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of it all. But you don't know what they said. I don't. If they hadn't, I know. Be kind to each other instead, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. How did Christ forgive you? Did you ever think about that? Let's do for a moment. This is how Christ forgave us. Christ forgave us in the sense that he came, God's son, to rescue us, to rescue his people. And they followed him. And then in a moment, everything turned. They turned on him. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on. And the same people that welcomed him, that were in his circle, they disappeared. The people that had followed him, that were cheering for him, were now cheering against him and for his own death. And there he is on a cross. And in a moment of despair, when everything is bleak, he takes upon himself the sins of the world. He takes my sin. He takes your sin. He takes the sin of the person who has wronged you. He takes the bitterness that you feel right now, and he placed it on himself. Past, present, future sin, all placed on himself. And in a moment, in his dying breaths, God the Father turns his back on him in an act of ultimate, what had to feel like betrayal. And in that moment, he looks at everyone and he says, Father... What do you say? Forgive them. So, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If I was you, this is what I would say to me. I'm not Jesus. Right. I know. Me either. But if you're a follower of Jesus, doesn't he give you his spirit? If you're a follower of Jesus, isn't he living inside of you? And doesn't he want you to root that out? And here's the thing. Sometimes, like, we like, we like, we like to throw a lot of blame around, right? We like to, we like to say, well, you know what? I, I would forgive them, like, if they had apologized at the beginning. I would have. This would all be settled by now. You know what? If they would just come to me and, and ask for forgiveness, of course I would give it. You know, if they just realized the hurt that they caused me, that's all I want. I just want them to see it, and then my bitterness would go away. You understand what we're doing there? We're waiting for somebody else to change so that we can change. That's a lot of weight to put on somebody that I can't deal with my own stuff until they deal with theirs. Can I tell you something? And this is a good phrase to remember. I am responsible for me. Just say that. I am responsible for me. You cannot control how another person is going to react or respond. And for you to think that somehow they're just going to change, for you to wait around for that person to change, for you to wait around for that person to all of a sudden realize what they do. You know what bitterness does? You know who it affects the most? You. When you can't sleep at night... You know what the person who wronged you is doing? They're like vacationing in the Bahamas somewhere. They're on a cruise ship. They're just going through their day. They have no idea the bitterness and the rage that you're carrying around. And you're thinking, well, if they did, if they did, what? If they knew, what? 
your bitterness is still there. It's your sin to deal with. You are responsible for you. Here's the thing. You have to control what you can control and release what you can't control. And what can you control? Your attitude. What can you control? Your heart. What can you control? The way you deal with your sin. And what do you release? You release them. There's this idea that there's like a relational debt that's played out. Like a currency in our bank account. Right? So like, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, they make deposits into my bank account. And I make deposits into theirs. And we are in good terms, right? So we do things for each other. We encourage each other. We're uplifting each other. And then we build kind of like this bank account up. And then when that person wrongs me, you know what it's like? It's kind of like they go and they take a huge withdrawal from the bank account. So now that I'm left in debt... And I'm over here wondering, well, when are you going to give it back? Can we just give something back? And you know what releasing them is? Releasing them is saying, you know what? We're good. It's fine. No debt. Isn't that how Christ forgave us? That we are so indebted to him that he just says, no, there's no debt anymore. It's paid for. It's done. That's how you and I are supposed to forgive. And you know how else Christ forgives us? He doesn't keep bringing it back up. It's not like it's one and done. How do we forgive? How do we release them? This is where it's tricky. Here's some things that I think might help us. That help me. One, you got to ask God. You can't forgive the way Christ forgave you unless you ask God to help you do that. It's not just going to be like, oh, it's, it's all forgiven. No, that root takes work to get it out. You have to have God's help to do it. So ask him for help. Do you think he'll give it to you? Yes. You ask God for help. He will give it to you. It's the only way you can extend that love and grace and forgiveness that Christ gave to you is through God. The second thing is you need to take initiative. Don't wait for the other person. Well, when they apologize, then I'll forgive them. No. You forgive them before. They they may never they may never show up at your door one day and say, hey, I realized I was a scumbag to you for five years. No. It might, but you have to decide that now. Take the initiative to forgive that person. Third thing is trust God. And that's easy to say. It's harder to do. But especially when we read verses like we just read about rooting out that bitterness. And we say, well, God's not really telling me to do it. No, he is. You trust God, you trust his word. If you do, deal with it. Don't put it off. Don't wait for bitterness to just magically disappear one day when you wake up. It's not going to. You have to deal with it. And the last thing, and this is the hardest one, I think, is to pray for blessing. Not in your life. You're praying for blessing in their life. What? Yeah. You mean that person that fired me, that wronged me, you want me, to, you want me to pray that their business grows and expands? Yes. That person that cheated on me, you want me to pray that they, they find happiness? Yes. That person, yes. 
you pray for blessing in their life. There's this interesting moment that happens in that story of Joseph where his brothers are standing in front of him and he reveals himself to them. And and here's what he does. It's so interesting. I never caught it really before is that he sends his family back to his dad to get all of their wives and all of their kids. And he says, listen, I want you guys to come live here. And here's the thing. I'm going to give you lots of money. And I'm going to give you lots of food for your journey. And I want you to go get everybody. And I want you to come back because I want you to be blessed. And you know what he does? He says, and by the way, don't argue about this. Because I have to believe that in Joseph's mind, he knew his brothers well, on their journey back home would probably start blaming each other. Well, if you hadn't said to throw him in a pit. Well, if you hadn't torn up his coat. Well, if you had He said, guys, nope. I want you to be blessed. That's hard to do sometimes. To pray for blessing in someone's life. Remember what Paul said. He said this, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of it. Rage, anger, harsh words, slander. As well as all types of evil behavior. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. See how these two ideas are tied together? Get rid of bitterness. You planted bitterness there a long time ago. You root it out. There's still a hole there. What do you put in it? Forgiveness. You root out the bitter. If there's a seed of bitterness, do you think that there's a seed of forgiveness? Yes. And what happens when you plant a seed of forgiveness, which, by the way, comes straight from Jesus himself because he forgave you. You plant that seed of forgiveness, and it starts to grow, and it starts to flourish, and now everything else in your life becomes healthy again because it's not being choked out anymore. And this is why we have to say and just remind you, forgiveness is not a one-time event. It has to happen on a daily basis. So that way when you pass them on the street, when you encounter them at work, when they pop up on your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed or whatever it might be, instead of this feeling of bitterness popping up, instead you say, no, 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 I forgave them. They're forgiven. I forgive them again. I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. This is why Peter asked Jesus a question once. You might know this. He's, he came to Jesus one time. He said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Peter's thinking himself to be very righteous. Seven times, yes? Because I don't want to forgive them too much because then they might start taking advantage of me. Then they might start doing it over and over again. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. What did Jesus say? Seventy times seven This idea that it has to be constant again and again. And you're not going to keep bringing up the person's past mistakes again and again because Jesus doesn't do that with us. He doesn't say, well, I knew that you'd go back to this. Oh, just like last time. He doesn't do that. He forgives and he forgives and he forgives. And so in our life, we forgive and we forgive and we forgive. And it starts to flourish in our lives. When David was on the run from Absalom and he was writing those Psalms, there was a lot of hurt in those psalms. But there's also a lot of hope because David understood that the pain that he was going through, the betrayal that he was experiencing, that hurt that someone caused him, he understood that it was going to be used by God to develop his faith even more. He said this, you have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you, God, will restore me to life again. He knew that this pain was an opportunity to build faith. Joseph As his brothers are standing there before him. 
After all the betrayal, after everything that had happened in his life, the seed of bitterness wasn't planted. Instead, he remembered that God was going to use this for good. And this is what he said. He said, you intended to harm me, brothers, but God intended it for good. I don't know what pain you've experienced, and your hurt is justified. But do not allow the root of bitterness to take hold of you because there is an abundant life waiting for you. There is an opportunity for you to be conformed into the image of Christ himself if you place forgiveness at the root of your heart and allow it to grow. We pray with me, God, you are an amazing God. You offer hope. You offer a life. You offer a resurrection, God. And in moments in our life where some of us in this room, we're carrying around big weights. We're carrying around a lot of heavy stuff. And we've been doing it for years. But in a moment, God, you can change all of that. So God, for those that are here today that have been wronged by someone else, that have been carrying around that hurt, God, I ask that they would call out to you, that they would ask you for help, God. That they would root out the bitterness in their life and allow forgiveness and love to seep in and soak their soul. God, that's what you did for us. Help us to forgive, not once. It's not an event, God. It's a lifestyle. Would you help us to cultivate that in our life? Would you help us to see things the way you do? Would you help use our pain? Use our pain. We give it to you so that we can look more like Jesus. Help us to work hard at that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.